Well, good evening. It's really good to see um, so many visitors here this evening. A really warm welcome to you, particularly if you've not been to a church this morning, uh, ever, sorry, not this morning. Um, uh, it's really good to see you, and I hope, I hope you feel at home. I hope you feel relaxed. Uh, that's our intention. Uh, as people are getting to their seats, we're going to begin this service uh, with our opening song that draws us to praise the person, Jesus Christ. Uh, because the biggest work of God for Christians all over the world is the work that he has done to bring us into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And we'll hear a little bit more about that later on. But before then, we're going to stand and sing uh, and just praise our God by singing, I cast my mind to Calvary. Let's stand and sing. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed Body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all Take a seat. Um, just to introduce myself, my name's Phil Vellacott, and I'm one of the elders who lead the church here. And it's our privilege this evening to witness Ben's baptism, 
If you're new to our church or if you've never witnessed a baptism before, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to explain what baptism is. Let me start by saying baptism is a symbolic act. There's nothing inherently special in baptism. So the water in this pool came from an ordinary tap. The people baptizing Ben are not special priests or specially qualified. They might be a bit special, but that's another issue. The act itself... <laughs> what's, um, the act itself... The act, I've just noticed they're all bigger than me. Uh, <clears throat> the act itself... Uh, doesn't in any way change Ben. He doesn't become a Christian by being baptized. So what's happening then? Well, as I said, baptism is a symbolic act. The water symbolizes the work that Jesus does when we become Christians to wash away our sin. The action of being dunked, which is literally what baptized means, is symbolic of a change of life that each Christian goes through when they choose to follow Jesus when they become a Christian. So so the symbolism follows this pattern, that being dunked in the water symbolizes rejecting an old way of life without Jesus, and being brought up out of the water symbolizes a new life that Jesus brings as we become Christians. And that's Ben's public declaration in being baptized, that he's died to his old way of life without Jesus and is now living with Jesus as his Lord, his God, the most important person in his life. That's what baptism means. And that's how actually Ben became a Christian. And and actually, I'm going to ask him up now um, to explain um, how he became a Christian. So, hi everyone, thanks for being here today, and I'm so pleased that I've got so many people here in my life who have just come today to support me on this special day, and I'm just so blessed, and thanks very much. And first I just want to say, this is actually the first time I can actually wear shorts and flip-flops to church without anyone saying anything bad to me, like, are you mad or are you crazy? So I'm actually quite excited for that. (laughs) So, Jesus in my life. So, I'm assuming everyone knows me here, or well, I think everyone does, because I grew up in this church, and from a young age, I went to Urban Saints, what's like a youth group program, and then from Urban Saints went to youth group. So um, my early stage of my testimony, what I'm saying now, is a lot like everyone's testimony in church. So I had an amazing family upbringing, and I was so blessed to go on many different holidays with my family, and actually knowing what the love was between my family. I think, though, even though I didn't think it much at the time, I was so thankful that my parents were Christians and were able to share God's love with me. I gave my life to Jesus at a young age, and I wrote it down in a Gideon's Bible, so I wouldn't forget. But at a young age, I actually lost this Gideon's Bible, so I actually don't know the date when I got became a Christian. But I know it was young, and God knows, so that's all that matters. So following from giving my life to Jesus, um, I kind of didn't really know who God was, and growing up into a teenager and becoming more independent, I became what I looked and looked at my friends, that going for the way of the world was such an easier way to do. It was just easier to do, say, eat and drink and live. And to be honest, I was actually quite shy. I know me, I'm not very shy, but I was actually quite shy to talk to people about my Christian faith, especially Um, non-Christians. So from here, in school, it actually, in my opinion, I didn't think it was cool to be a Christian. All my friends who I knew, who were cool per se, they weren't Christians, and I was like, oh, am I not cool because I'm a Christian? So that's, what, that's the philosophy I had being at school. I also had people who would come up to me and be like, why are you a Christian? And I actually wouldn't really know why I was a Christian. And then people would say, the only reason you love Jesus is because your parents went to church and they actually took you to church, almost say force. And at the time, I could never say no because I just actually really didn't have a clue. And I would just go to church because it was just like a normal day of a Sunday routine. So growing up in church, that's what happened. And then I ended up going to university. So for all of you that go, I go to Sparshall and I study fish management and aquaculture. What's a really good course. And they're looking for spots at the minute. So if you just think, just saying. Um, And this was a really big step for myself in my independence. So this was me going away from my family, from my mum cooking for me or my dad cooking for me or just being there to going living by myself and doing anything by myself. And in all fairness, it was a big independence of my Christian faith if I would go to a church or not. So I remember going to uni on my first day, and I rocked up, and I went to this building, and a guy was standing next to me, and some of you at uni know him as Chicken, and if you know him, this will make sense, and he said to me, and he went, 
oh, you're living in my flat this year. You're going to have a great time, mate. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, wow, what am I in for? <laughs> um, and that was like my first opinion. And from then, I lived with my first year, I lived with six second years and one third year, and I was the only fresher in my flat. So who are now really good friends and I keep in contact. But at the time, it was really challenging for me trying to get into their friendship group when they've all been friends for a year and almost uh, Griff, who's the third year, had been with friends with them for a year as well, but he's the second year. So he knew everyone else and I didn't really want to get to know me. So I thought that the best thing to do was do what they do, go out drinking, go out partying, have a good time, just chill and just like, like love life. And what the time I thought was a really great idea but no one actually knew in my flat that I was a Christian and no one knew that I went to church and I didn't really live the way it was. So during this time, for my first two months of uni, I actually contracted this rare disease called Mycobacterium marium. And at the time, I got put in hospital for three days. So I was actually in quite a bad way. And at the time, I didn't know why I was the one who got this disease. But then, like now I think about it, that was just God telling me to stop what you're doing, Ben, and just think about your life. Because from there, I got put on antibiotics for three months. So during that three months, I wasn't able to drink. I wasn't able to, like, well, I could go out, but it just wouldn't be the same. So I was like, okay, I'll just take a step down, and it will just be fine. Um, from here, during this time of, like, treatment, I went and did a placement in America. And I was actually placed um, in the States with a guy called Jeremy, and he was a really good Christian. Well, he was, he was Southern, so we had a lot of Southern views, but we won't go into that. But we'd have a lot of chats, and we'd talk about, God when we were driving his car and if we would go to a place and we go to a place called Savannah it was about a 40 minute drive to drop off fish and we just have a conversation about God and one of the things he told me he said Ben we all sin and he says I still do but you have to remember God loves you cares for you and forgives you for messing up with your life and he will always continue to love you and honestly those words when I came back to you they just ringed in my ear and like I kept from there so what I did after I came back I just thought to myself right Ben um you know God, so you're going to try and be more like him and try and do things for him. So I would go to church, but in my head, I always had this thing, and it was, God, are you really there? And it really, it really hurt me. So every time people come up to me and they'd be like, oh, Ben, God told me to go here, so I moved to this town to be, because God told me to, or like, I've been told to do a missionary, so I'm going to do that. So I was like, well, I've actually really never had that I've never thought God's told me or spoke to me. So it actually quite angered me, and I would pray to God, and I would pray a real dangerous prayer, and I would say, God, are you really real? And if you do, can you show yourself to me? So I would pray this over and over every time before I go to bed, if I would wake up in the morning, because I just wanted to feel like, God, can you show me to do something? So from, from this, from this praying, I was unsettled in my church, and I actually moved churches, and the first service I went to on the church, I was having a coffee with someone after, and I was just chatting like I do, and I was chatting to this lady, and I was just chatting to her, and it was really nice, and then this man came up, and it happened to be her husband's, and her husband said to me, he went, oh, God's just told me he wants me to tell you something, and at the time, I was like, nah, not me, because that never happens to me, and I was like, I was a bit nervous, and I said, okay, tell me what you have to say, and he said to me, he said, there's this violin maker, and he made this violin, he would tune all, the, tune all the strings to make sure they're perfect, and the sound was perfect. And then he went on to say, and said, that's God, and you are his violin. He has created you and made you perfect as you are. And he went on to tell me, he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, I would love to pray for you. And I was like, okay. So I prayed with him, and I was like, oh, I don't really know what that means, but I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, so, and then I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So now I thought, you know what? from here, I want to go and put myself out in God. So I've never done this before, and I was like, what does that mean? So I always said to myself, anyone asks me to do something in faith, or do something for God, I would say yes. So, for example, one of my friends came to me and said, Ben, would you like to work at prison, uh, do some prison ministry, and go in and actually speak to some of the prison guards? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I went in with one him one time, and honestly, it's one of the most changeable things in my life, because I managed to speak to this guy called Dan, and this guy called Dan, he, was, he used to be an MMA fighter. For someone who doesn't know what that means, it's someone who like, is like a boxer. And they literally just fight each other in the ring. And he said to me, he, said to me, he, he was a Christian. And I was like, oh, wow. So what happened? And he told me his story. And he said he used to be, as I said, an MMA fighter. And he, used to, he got chucked into prison because he used to beat people from near death. And he would almost like leave them dead on the street and he got chucked into prison. And he said that as he was in prison, he got given a nickname and he had to have 12 armed guards on him the whole time because he was that bad and he would beat up the prison guards. 
and everything. And then he came, happened to come to his chapel because his two-year-old daughter died. So he came to the chapel and he was just sitting there and he said that he didn't want anything to do with God. And two months later, this guy who had been the scariest guy in prison became one of the nicest guys. And he stood up when I was there and he gave his testimony about God, how God had saved him. And he was baptized uh, two weeks earlier. So I missed that, unfortunately. But, and I just looked and I was like, so God's gone to save this absolute, almost horrible man who would beat people to death to saving him in Jesus. And he's at he's at prison and he's literally talking to people and talking to them about God. And honestly, for me, that was such a, such a big thing. And I thought, if God, can save, uh, if God can save someone like Dan, then obviously he saved someone like me. And to me, that was God showing me that he was, he was there. He was alive. Why would he save someone who was so broken and bad? Like, I, it, for me, it was just so clear that I knew that God was real and there. So, sorry, I'm a bit lost. Um, um, yeah, and so from this, from this thing, I looked at this in my life, and as I said, for that guy who brought me coffee, I thought that, just, that was such a big time in my life and such a turning point that I could have been talking to anyone at that coffee table, but I happened to be talking to the wife of the only guy who gets given visions in the church to say, God's been told, told me to go and speak to you. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That just doesn't happen. That's God telling me again, look, I'm alive, I'm here, and you can believe in me. So... From here, I did other things for God, so I ended up leading some worship thing um, at CU, and I also gave my testimony for the first time. And for me, being quite shy about my Christian faith was a real eye-opener when people came up to me after and said, wow, you did really well. I'm really happy for you. And that really got to me. Uh, so thinking about baptism now, I wanted to be baptized because I went to my friend's baptism, and she wasn't a Christian, and then she became a Christian in, like, in her third year, and then she got baptized. And I went to see it, and I was like, wow, I honestly, God just told me, Ben, you need to get baptized. This is what you need to do. So I text Dan, and I was like, Dan, I just want to get baptized. Can I get baptized? And here we are today. So lastly, I'm not perfect, and my relationship with God is growing. And for anyone who knows me, I'm definitely not perfect. Um, but he saved me through the devil's schemes and he loves me for who I am. And I feel the next day for my life is taking baptism to show that everyone that I am a Christian. Uh, I want to share a verse that means so much to me and that I've looked at when I was stepping out in God and it's Joshua 1 verse 9 and it said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Uh, so that just shows that Jesus is alive and he has beaten death and you can go out with God and he will be there with you for you should not be ashamed and scared because God is with you all the time yeah that's that's my testimony (laughs) Uh, Ben hang on don't run away Um, just as a as a a a gift from us as a church uh, we have a a, a bible here a, a, a book here and and a card um, and in there, we've got a verse um, that we thought is, is really uh, appropriate for yourself. It says, um, it's Romans 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, that's our prayer for you, Ben, um, that you would grow uh, as a godly young man um, in faith in Christ and to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Um, sacrifice of worship to Christ. Um, in a second, Ben is, is going to be baptized. Um, let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing a song. What a beautiful name. Father God, we praise you and worship you uh, for the work that you are doing in Ben's life, that you've called him out of ignorance of you, darkness, into knowledge of you, light. And Lord, I pray that that knowledge of you would grow and grow and grow so that his whole life would be given to you, so that he would sacrifice um, his, his sinful desires and lay them down and take up following Jesus more and more. Lord, please guide him and lead him. Lord, please, uh, may he be, um, may, may you be his Lord and Master. For your namesake. Amen. Brilliant. So let's, uh, let's stand oh, in a second. Sorry, I've just... See my notes in a second, uh, and Ben's going to be baptised now. So can I ha- ask um, Josh um, to come? <laughs> kind of need you there, Ben. 
Well, it's a real privilege to be able to baptize you today, Ben. I'm going to ask you three questions, and uh, then on the, your answer on those questions, um, your father and I will baptize you. So, Ben, have you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to take away your sin and give you a good relationship with God? Yeah. yeah. Ben, are you trusting daily in Jesus and seeking to follow him as your Lord and Savior? And Ben, do you put your hope in him for eternal life, that one day you will see him face to face and rejoice in an eternity with him? Yes. Great. Well, Ben, it's a real privilege and a blessing then on this public profession of your faith, that we baptize you in the name of God the Father, and of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Well, we've heard how, how, how special, how beautiful the name of Jesus is to Ben. We're going to echo that in song now uh, and stand to sing. What a beautiful name it is. Let's stand.
Dan's uh, going to come and explain a bit from the Bible to us, Um, but firstly I'm going to read that uh, to everyone. If you've got a Bible with you, um, if you've got one of these uh, church Bibles with you, it's page uh, 1155. Uh, The passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 to 20, and that's on page 1155. says this, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. I'm going to hand over to Dan, who's going to explain uh, those verses to us now. Thanks, Dan. everyone and, and just to clarify it as you probably tell I'm not MMA fighter Dan uh, I'm the Dan that uh, Ben texted uh, just to clarify that just in case you're wondering <laughs> well good news everyone good news it is only 262 days until old man's day on the 2nd of October I'm sure we are all very excited Actually, I'm sure that none of us are excited uh, because probably we haven't even heard of the place where it is celebrated, uh, Browheen in Hertfordshire. Uh, You see, every year the good people of Browheen in Hertfordshire celebrate Old Man's Day. And the story goes that in 1571, a man called Matthew Orr, who's a local farmer, died And on the day of his funeral, as they were carrying his coffin down the street towards the local church, or to everyone's horror, one of the people carrying the coffin slipped on a leaf and the coffin came crashing to the ground. But even more horrifying 
is that they then heard the sound of knocking. It turns out Matthew all wasn't dead. In fact, he went on to live another 24 years. And you know, from then on, this village have celebrated for 450 years the 2nd of October. And it still goes on to this day. The village celebrate Old Man's Day. And the vicar of the local church still sweeps at the road for leaves on the occasion. And you know, in an interview about this event, Old Man's Day, one person uh, said about this supposed resurrection story, they said, all sorts of rumors go around as to how true it is. But it's like any village tradition. You don't know how much genuinely happened and how much is based on an incident. But it's nice to believe that it's true anyway. Well, maybe this evening, that quote could sum up the way that we think about events in the Bible. Events like Jesus' resurrection Even in life after death, you don't know how much is genuine. You don't know what actually happens. But it's it's nice to believe in, I guess. Well, you know what Ben has done in being baptized? is said to all of us this evening, not one day I think, but one day I know and I truly believe that I too will be raised from death to eternal life because I trust in Jesus who has risen from death to life. And that might sound to you this evening like old man's day, completely bonkers. Sure, it's nice for Ben and for others to believe these things, but why would you choose to truly and wholeheartedly believe this story of resurrection? Because surely this is it, isn't it? One life, and then death, and then nothing. Just as Cage the Elephant said in their song, Oh no, I can't slow down, I can't hold back, though you wish I know I could. Oh, there ain't no rest for the wicked until we close our eyes for good. And you know, it's the same line of thinking that was taking place in this church in Corinth. In this reading that we had right at the start, that's why the letter's called Corinthians. You see, this man, Paul, he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church because he hears that some people are saying that there is nothing after death. As it says in verse 12 of our passage, Paul says, But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? See, this church in Corinth, it was a wealthy city. It was prosperous in many ways. And it had people going around that were saying that life after death, it's fake news. It's not true. People content with life now and striving to have everything it can materially bring. But as for eternal life and resurrection, well, that simply doesn't happen. Do you know, that might seem familiar to our culture today. Well, do you know, this evening, we're going to see how who Jesus is and what he's done, especially through his resurrection, isn't just reserved for people like Ben, but rather Jesus invites all of us and offers us the same hope and confidence that Ben has shared this evening. And this evening, I want us to see what Paul says in response to this question of there being no resurrection. And we're going to see two things briefly in our time together. And the first thing is, no resurrection, no Christianity. No resurrection, no Christianity. You see, the problem with not believing that there is any kind of resurrection is, well, Christianity is founded and based upon a claim that Jesus has been raised from death to life. And Paul knows that everything Christians believe in is held together on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul says in verse 13 of 14 of our passage, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. 
and so is your faith. Do you know, if Christianity were to be described as a Jenga tower, which it never is, but if it was, then the resurrection, Paul says, is that Jenga block that you know is holding the whole thing up. And if it was taken out, well, the whole tower will come collapsing as rubble on the floor. And you know, it's no wonder that throughout the ages, people setting out to try and disprove Christianity, they go straight for the resurrection of Jesus. Because no resurrection, there's no Christianity. And you know, in fact, Paul goes even further in his letter to the Corinthians. He says in verse 15 to 18, he says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has been, not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. You see, if Jesus hasn't been raised from death, then everything a Christian believes is futile. It's pointless. Paul says you are still dead in your sins. Christians can't say, Christians can't celebrate that they've been forgiven if Jesus hasn't been raised. If Jesus hasn't been raised then it makes the prayer meeting that we had in this hall on Tuesday night this week absolutely pointless. It was a waste of time if Jesus had not been raised from the dead. It would mean that the Bible is nothing more than just a collection of wise sayings. It would mean that the Bible would just be a collection of fairy tales. And for all the millions and millions of people that have trusted Jesus over the centuries, well, it would mean that there is nothing for them after death. We couldn't say that he or she have gone to a better place. There's none of that if Christ hasn't been raised. And then to round it off in verse 19, Paul says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. No resurrection means that Christians, of all the people in the world, are most to be pitied. In fact, no resurrection, then actually what we have here this evening is very sad. Paul says if it's not true, then Christianity is a delusion. And you can imagine it would be a lot like Santa Claus. Lovely for everyone that believes, but we all know what the reality is. Paul says that this is what is at stake if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true. But what if it is true? What if it is true? Well, that brings us to the second and final thing this evening, which is real resurrection Real resurrection, real implications. You see, after Paul's lengthy explanation of what it means if Jesus isn't raised from death, well, he then stops. And in verse 20, the last verse of our passage, he says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, for Paul, even though he knows everything that is at stake, if this isn't true, Paul's unafraid to tell those Corinthians back then and us here this evening that in fact Christ has been raised. And for Paul, this wasn't just a story that he grew up with and something that his parents passed along when he grew up. Paul, he's writing this having encountered this risen Jesus himself, an eyewitness. You see, we actually see a bit of Paul's story in the Bible. And it turns out that earlier in Paul's life, he wasn't a fan at all of Jesus and his followers. And Paul used to round up the local Christians and kill them and put them in prison for speaking about a Jesus that had been raised from death. Paul, he was actually an enemy of the resurrection. And yet Paul, 
records his story, like Ben has done this evening, of how Jesus appeared to him and transformed him from someone who was killing Christians to someone that became one instead. And in just a few verses, just before our passage in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says in verse 3 about Jesus, he says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So you see there that it wasn't just Paul that claimed to have seen this risen Jesus, but also the 12 disciples. And more than that, it says 500 people at the same time saw Jesus most of whom, Paul says, are still alive when Paul's writing this letter. Paul's saying, if you don't believe me, well then go and check it out. There are people still alive. There are 500 of them you can go and speak to that saw this Jesus that was dead and now is alive. That's something you don't put in if it's not true. And you know, the majority of the disciples and the majority of these eyewitnesses that claimed to have seen Jesus raised from death, well, they ended up at the end of their lives being executed, the majority of them, for their faith, for claiming that Jesus was risen from dead. And you know, one person says about this, it says, people may die for what they sincerely believe is true, but it's another thing to die for what you know is a deliberate lie. You see, being a Christian is not as commonly thought being someone that has to abandon all sense of logic and all sense of reason and evidence. Now, I mentioned earlier about how many people have set out to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. And yet, do you know, countless times, people, when they've tried to set out seeking lies, they found life. They found that Jesus has risen from death. And they found that even today we can have an actual relationship with this conqueror of death. And you know, one of those people that started off rejecting Christianity is someone called Val Grieve. Val Grieve was a prominent lawyer here in the UK. And he's written a book called A Verdict of an Empty Tomb. I've got a book here. And he lays out the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus In fact, it's all of this evidence of the resurrection that leads the former Lord Chief Justice of England to say this. He says, the crux of the problem of whether Jesus was or was not what he proclaimed himself to be must surely depend upon the truth or otherwise of the resurrection. On that greatest point, we are not merely asked to have faith. In its favour... As a living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is true. That quote's taken from a book, uh, this book, and there's a copy of this book that's free of charge for you to take home if you'd like to look at these things more. But you see, a real resurrection has real implications. If Jesus really has beaten death and lives today, then that's not just big news. That's the most important news that we could ever hear. Suddenly, all of Jesus' claims to be God are true. Everything Jesus offers, forgiveness, a relationship with him, the hope of eternal life, they are all true. The Bible stops being labelled as an out-of-date fairy tale book and actually starts becoming a book with real answers to the most important questions in life. And do you know the real implication of all of this? Is that we have to respond. Just like Ben has done this evening. Responding to this Jesus by accepting Jesus into our lives. Not as a side issue of medium importance, but rather handing everything over to him as our highest priority. 
And do you know this evening, if we've already done that, like Ben, if we've decided to follow and trust this Jesus, would you know, let us be encouraged this evening. Let us be encouraged at the hope that we have in Jesus. And like we heard this morning, let's strive by the power of the Spirit in us to live a life that is future-focused. A life that is conscious of an eternity ahead. An eternity where we will come face to face with Jesus, the King of glory. And letting eternity shape the way we live now and the actions we take now. On the value that we place on things that in eternity won't have any value. And on the value and importance of placing our commitment to follow Jesus each and every day. So, the resurrection, the biggest hoax or the biggest news? One thing's for sure, it can't be in between. And maybe this evening, this is your first time hearing something like this. And maybe you've heard Ben's story and the Bible being read out and you would like to have and know this hope found in Jesus. Well, can I encourage to encourage you to investigate this further. Pick up a copy on your way out of this book. Speak to someone that you came with. Speak with Ben. Speak with me. And ask the questions that the news of Jesus' resurrection pushes us to ask. Well, this evening, Ben's baptism, he's declared to us that he knows the hope of eternal life found only in Jesus. And do you know what the great news is this evening? Is that the Bible says that we all here this evening have an opportunity to discover and know that for ourselves. Isn't that wonderful? Well, do you know, we're going to sing in response to what we've heard all throughout this evening. It's a song called In Christ Alone. It says, in Christ alone, my hope is found. That's what Paul's saying in that passage that we, were, we saw being read out. Our hope is to be found in Christ alone. And there's a verse somewhere in there where it says, uh, no fear in death. I can't remember the rest of the words, but we'll, we'll find out in a minute. But it says no fear in death there somewhere. And we can say that because Christ has been re- raised from the dead. What an amazing hope that Christ offers us all this evening. So let's stand and let's sing in Christ alone. Ground, his body lay 
light of the world by darkness slain. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of all those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, well, the resurrection of the dead also comes through Jesus Christ. Father God, we worship you and praise you that because Jesus has risen from the dead, we might have eternal life as we believe in him. Father God, we praise you for this evening. We praise you that we've witnessed Ben's testimony of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, so that one day he will see Jesus face to face as his Lord, his Master, his King, his God. We praise you for this great relationship that we can all know by knowing Jesus. We praise you in his name. Amen. Well, that's, um, that's the end of our evening. Can I just also make... You may sit down, yeah. Um, <laughs> don't know what to do here. Um, uh, just through, the, through the, uh, the, the doors there is our coffee area. There's some refreshments being served. There's also um, some cake and some cookies as well. So please do help yourself to those. Um, if you're little, one, one at a time, please. That'd be good. Um, and do uh, carry on your conversations through there. Thank you for coming this evening. <laughs>